This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the American Toffee Podcast. It is Tuesday, June 25th. We're recording our fifth episode of this summer window. And I'm here joined by Alex and our guest for today's episode, Tim Olson. Welcome, Tim. Hey, guys. How are you going? It's going good, man, Alex. So we actually have some some breaking news right now. As of a few days ago, this isn't the breaking news that many might be expecting, but Alex has now adopted a puppy. So he is a puppy dad. Alex, how are you adopting or adapting to uh, fatherhood? Well, I'm slightly adapting to adopting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But man, it's... Like you know, you know that getting a puppy is gonna is gonna require a lot of work. But what really isn't talked about is the lack of sleep and the fact that it's just draining to to have to watch him every second of every day. And so it's good we got really lucky. He's a really really good dog. He's an Australian Shepherd mix, but I think he's mixed with Chocolate Lab. Uh, but he's still a handful. Uh, I'm just I'm just lucky enough that. Allie, my girlfriend that I live with, is is a teacher and she's off for summer break. So she has to stay at home with him all day while I go to work. So I get somewhat of a break and she kind of works on training him. So that's kind of sick. I think you're going to get limited uh, sympathy on the lack of sleep from Tim, who has a uh, a young child who he has to deal <laughs> with. So. Yeah, I mean, a nine-month-old baby doesn't really compare with a, <laughs> with a, a puppy. Although I got a puppy this past year and uh, it's a blue English staffy. And we named it Coleman. So how'd you go on that, Alex? Did you, you know, get a little uh, Everton in there? No, I named him, we named him Jax, J-A-X. Uh, uh, yeah. But I've already given him a, nick- a nickname and that's Jaximus Prime. Uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> nice. That's good. So, I like that. Uh, more to come probably. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, you probably shouldn't have adopted a dog and then had a kid, you know, the same year. <laughs> it's a big year. It's a big year. <laughs> Huge year. I'm Before honestly you know, a little a, a little resentful towards you, Alex, for not... Um, Using your dog and shamelessly exploiting your dog by naming him an Everton-related name and giving us our our one-way ticket to uh, Twitter fame with all the all the likes and retweets we could get. I said it would have been Andre, but they didn't announce it soon enough. They literally had to announce it by last Friday, and it didn't happen. So therefore, he couldn't be Everton-related, or at least Andre Gomez. But that actually is an excellent segue, Alex, because actually breaking news as of today: the club have officially signed. The beautiful man himself, Andre Gomez, a lot of announcement videos going out. My guess is that he finally returned from uh, his summer vacation and was able to actually put pen to paper on a five-year deal, rumored $22 million tr- or pound rather transfer fee. Good business all around. I think everyone's very pleased with that. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, and, and somebody, I think you mentioned it earlier, but somebody had said that Barcelona had put a $100 million buyout clause in his contract when they signed him from Valencia. And that kind of tells you the talent that they thought he was going to turn out to be. So to get him, turn around, get him in like for that kind of fee, $22 million, And the fact that he just bossed it last year and was, and loves the club as well. You can kind of see it. He, you know, he loves the club. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's just a win, win, win. I have to agree with you. I actually did not know about that buyout clause. I read some stuff about, I guess, the fact that Valencia had some sort of, some sort of clause when they sold him to Barcelona, dealing with the Ballon d'Or shortlist, which, if true, is another indication, like you said, that that 
Andre Gomez is the real deal legitimately or expected to, was expected to legitimately be world-class. And I want to point this out, right? So 22 million pounds, five-year contract. And here's the thing. There's just a little sidebar I saw on Twitter. We got Luca Dean and Andre Gomez for 40 million pounds combined. How ridiculous is that? Ridiculous. I mean, it's it's really just a testament to Marcel Brands' negotiating strategy as well as, you know, the network that he's built out through his years at PSV. That Those two players are player of the season and then a player who arrived at, at Finch Farm initially with a with an injury that he was kind of trying to get over and really kind of had to ease his way into the season. But when he did, we all saw the quality that he possesses and what an influence he had on our midfield, which was really kind of one man short at the time. No disrespect to, to John, uh, Tom Davies or Morgan Schneiderlin or any of those players, but clearly Andre Gomez is a completely different animal entirely, offers much more uh, going forward than either of those two players experienced a player who was who was really kind of on a on a huge rise after the 2016 Euro competition with Portugal and to have him at, at Everton for the coming season having already played last year and, and kind of acclimated himself is just honestly priceless so for to put a price at 22 mil you just can't say it enough how good of a deal it is i think i, I think it was a sports witness um <clears throat> article i was reading I was talking about how others had tried to come in and get him with Tottenham and West Ham. And there was all these rumors. And then, oh, he's going to Tottenham. Like, you know, they just assumed because Tottenham came in. He w- And this article is talking about, no, this they, he actually has personal team terms agreed. And they're just waiting for this other stuff. And, and all in between the lines of that, it was basically three things that I thought was really important, which was Gomes, Gomes wanted to be at Everton. Like he made it clear like to others that he wanted to be there. And then number two was that he that brands had priced him at a certain value and and wasn't going to just jump into, you know, um, a bidding war and wasn't going to do it. He says, I'll he priced him at this. This is what we think he's worth. And this is what we would be willing to pay. And then the other thing is Silva has created an environment where people and players of Gomez's ilk want to come and play that these highly talented players now believe in the manager and believe in the system and. Yeah, couldn't have said that two years ago. So it's it's a really it's a fairly big coup, I think. Yo, Tim, if you don't chill out, you're about to take my spot. That was well said, too well said. <laughs> but but I, I absolutely agree with you. And and the thing that my mind kind of jumps to when I think about Andre Gomez is the fact that I don't think anyone has considered he, as you said, he was injured, so he had to ease into it. But he also had that slump in the middle of the season when, well, really the whole team had a, a really bad slump during the winter. Uh, or during the winter part of the season, because he wasn't really match fit even, you know, prior to his injury. And so Mm. now he's going to have a full preseason with Everton. He understands the system, the players around him, or he understands the players around him for the most part, at least to a certain extent and vice versa. So imagine how much better he will be coming into this next season. Yeah, completely agree with what both of you have said. When you kind of take a step back and look at Everton now from like this bird's eye view, and you look at the the basis, the foundation that was laid, and this is a theme that has been kind of constant on the show for a while, and, and amongst many Evertonians, like the foundation has been laid, and you and now we're we're seeing that we're able to keep all of the key parts, and and the Kurt Zuma rumors are kind of swirling now, and hopefully he's the next uh, signing on the list. But you're able to retain those key components, and then what you have is a really attractive destination for players of really high caliber that that we're now being linked with and we'll touch on a few in a minute but people who discount 
you know, oh, why would he want to come to Everton? And, and though we don't have European competition, I think that what the outward perception of Everton is, is changing very rapidly. And especially when you, you know, we're signing players from Barcelona, where that was really just not, I mean, Gerard De Lafayette being an exception, but you know what I mean? Like now we're signing these players who couldn't quite cut it at Barcelona, but by, by every standard are, are very, very still very talented. And I just can't wait to see what else Marcel has up his sleeve. So the only other, well, this is, this is, let's call it uh semi-official because this come coming from big Alan Myers is apparently Wigan have put in a bid for Anthony Robinson. Yeah, this is kind of, I, I don't know where, I, I guess in the sense because you have Dina and you have Baines back for at least another year, you get to the point with what are you going to do with, with Robinson? Are you going to send him out on loan or is this Wigan just going well? Because of all those factors, we're just going to go ahead and put in a bid and see if we can. Because he had a fairly successful year. He got hurt and then um, and then came back and did very well again. For Wigan, um, it would be sad to see him go because you know you have that American link as well um, with Robinson, and if he becomes a great player, um, which is you know he's got a lot of talent, he does look like he's a young kid who can really do something. You you could see him, you could see Lucas Dina moving on or even getting sold in the next three to four years for a fairly hefty fee, and then Robinson coming in and. and doing what he needed to do. Um, you could kind of see that progressing, but I don't know if they're just going to send him off or what. Um, Alan doesn't tend to mince, mince words, but we'll see. Yeah, my thing with Robinson, and like you said, Tim, the, the, real, the only reason that I have any particular attachment to him as a player is the American connection. And it's always good as an American to have those players, even though he was never really even touching the first team, the potential to have an American left back is huge. And just to have another American player playing in the Premier League is always a positive for the country and the national team and all of those good things. But you're looking at the rumored price, it's like less than 2 million pounds. And for that price, it just, I mean, it's not a lot, but at the same time, has he shown enough that he's really, he doesn't really demand or command that kind of huge transfer fee. And so for 1.5, I mean, imagine, I'd imagine we try to talk them up a little bit, but that seems to be kind of fair for me. And I think honestly, for his own development, staying in the championship and continuing to play, which is still a, a very high level within the context of the entire world of football. Um, maybe the best career move for him to get the most playing time at this point. Yeah. And unfortunately I saw him play in a friendly match for the United States a couple of weeks ago now, and he looked awful. I hate to say it, but he looked awful. And at this point, I think as Tim said, we've got Luca Dean, Baines is going to be here this year. So I really don't see any way he's going to break into the first team to even be secondary past Leighton Baines. And he's going to kind of get up there in age just, just in comparison to, to other players breaking into the first team and, and trying to trying to gain a little bit of experience. So I'd be a tiny bit upset, but for the most part, kind of indifferent about it. And he said that, you know, that's his goal. Like he's come out and said, in recent days about you know his goal is to get into the break into the first team but that's going to be tough when you when especially this year i mean you could see another loan move possibly and then coming in and slotting in behind luca dean but yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't fault the guy for going you know what i want to go play uh regularly and and going somewhere else in a sense yeah no i I think that that's both of you are very fair in that assessment and it, it is ultimately a little disappointing but if it's good business and and really if Marcel and Marco even rate him at all, 
Um, and you have to think, like you said, in two years' time, if he goes on loan this year, he comes back, Baines is gone, but then you just have to think that we're going to be looking for another external player to bring in as a backup rather than promote from within because you just the way it goes, you tend to get more quality that way. So sad to say, but and he's not gone yet. It's there's plenty of I'm sure there's plenty left to uh to play out there, but um well, I guess we'll see where where everything falls within the night within the coming weeks. The next uh, subject we have up for discussion, Alex, now a uh, star in the British press. He was featured. His comments were featured in a article in the Liverpool Echo, which I know is somewhat contentious among uh, Liverpoolians as far as their their perceived Liverpool bias. But the guys who write for the Everton side seem to be really good guys, and they've reached out to us and. Alex gave him some comments on what the club can do more to engage with American fans. Alex, you want to touch on a little bit of of what was said in that article? Yeah. So, and we'll probably even discuss it again on the weekend. uh, But really, it was just kind of about who being players that played for Everton from the United States were kind of the the driving force in, in accumulating Everton fans from the country, in which I think almost everyone can agree Tim Howard he was you know at Everton for a decade he had been starting for the United States men's national team for a very long time as well i know that's that's who kind of drove me to supporting the club but really the big thing for me that James and I have talked about numerous times on the podcast over the last year and and something that i think is on everybody's mind that's that's from the United States is is really why doesn't Everton do more to market to Americans. Soccer in general across the world is is blowing up. And that's a fact. And that comes down to uh, TV deals, kind of like NBCSN here in the States, which really only brought the Premier League to the market, what, five-ish years ago? Yeah, roughly then. And so with, with all of this market share, so much money being in the United States, blah, 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 it just makes sense that Everton need to start marketing towards the United States. And I guess for me and for us, uh, Tim will still count you because you're you're from Portland initially. I think it's a big deal because we want we want to have people, you know, quote unquote, in real life. We, we want to have friends that we can talk Everton with, not just, you know, get in a group of friends and, and a bunch of them are, are, are Chelsea fans, Man U fans, Man City fans, and they just Ooh. talk trash, you know, Ooh. just, right. It just it's just it's annoying and, and and I think that there was so there is, but there was so much more that that the club could have done and should still be doing, starting with uh, a friendly against DC United using Wayne Rooney's name. Yeah, I think it was interesting because <clears throat> being a part of the Portland uh, or the Oregon Evertonians and living in Portland, um, we worked together to become an official supporters group. so we, so we literally had to put together, um, a list of names with um, information about all of the people in our group, and then we had to submit it to uh, Everton and have a. <clears throat> and we, we, you know, we got some help from the Boston Evertonians who had already done that and these types of things. So there seems like there was a channel to do these types of things, become official, get some support. We tried to do some things like when I remember when Creed came out when they had that big Everton scene. People were like, go see this movie for the Everton, you know, all this stuff. And we, we put together some stuff and we went and saw it. And, you know, we did kind of some of these like events that they may seem cheesy, but they get people together to talk about Everton. And then we have this guy named Chris and he would open his bar for us at like 7 a.m. when the games would start on the West Coast. And 
and and we'd get to so there was a sense of camaraderie there and then we were getting official support you know emails from them but then that was like it like it wasn't like um it seemed like they you know they came to the US with Roberto Martinez and then they were they they started Everton USA and it seemed like there was a little bit of traction getting place and that you you were getting a little bit known and Tim Howard was doing a few things and then it kind of like stopped and it kind of settled, I guess, in a sense. And yes, you have all these Everton fans in the U.S., but they haven't come back to the U.S. for four or five years and they don't appear to be putting a lot of marketing stuff together. I did hear that some, it said it in the article, that some groups had gotten sent merchandise and stuff like that. So that, so that's good. That's easy enough to do. But putting a real emphasis on a hotbed for soccer, because you're right, um, Alex, there is a hotbed for soccer in the U.S. It is growing really, really strong. And it, it it is something you would want to capitalize on. You talk about people talk about the Chinese market when they talk about business and how important that is to get people. Well, I think the U.S. soccer market is really important for especially Premier League teams. And they need to they need to put a little more focus on it. Yeah. All really good points, Tim. And and honestly, I mean, the ship may have sailed on the Tim Howard thing. So it's kind of like, you know, cats out of the bag. There's no real, we can't really recapture the fervor of the World Cup when he made, what was it, 16, 17 saves versus Belgium. Secretary of Defense. Yes, exactly. Like that was the moment that I think Everton really had to seize. And unfortunately, they didn't. And what's unique about the US, obviously, it's a gigantic market huge but comparatively to like Europe for example or um and you look at the club now seem to be focusing their efforts on like Africa and, and East Asia but it's relatively unsaturated like the amount of people who count themselves as Premier League or even soccer fans is still relatively small and what you have is all of these young kids who are growing up and for example I worked at a summer camp a few years ago and the kids who would come to the camp like seven, eight, nine, ten, all had jerseys of all the players. Like they know. So while you may not pull in like an adult, uh, people like us who may maybe pick the team a little younger, like a middle-aged fan, you're pulling in young people who will then be with your team for life. And like I said, the market is huge in the MLS. While you, there's all sorts of cases to be made for supporting your local team, all of that, I get it. But the way that the MLS is currently structured is just not conducive to developing long-term support. And whereas like the Premier League is trying to become a global brand and unlike a lot of American sports leagues, and this is turning into a complete tangent, a lot of the marketing and like selling of merchandise and things like that are left to the clubs themselves and aren't sort of centralized by the league. And so it's up to the individual clubs to develop these brands. And when we spoke with Jonathan Clegg a few months ago about his book where he wrote about how the Premier League became so big, he talked about how clubs like Manchester United have been able to develop these global brands just because of the resources that they have at their disposal and the relative certainty that they're going to remain in the Premier League year over year. Whereas Everton really haven't had that stability, although they've been in the Premier League since its inception, yada, yada, yada. They've lacked that real certainty that that things are going to go well year over year. And we saw that by the hiring of Sam Allardyce and all of those sorts of things. So maybe cut the club a bit of slack because they haven't had um, maybe all the resources available. But now with all the influx of money with Farhad as the majority shareholder, I don't think there's any more excuse. And I think the club really need to turn their focus on the US as an emerging market. Yeah. And I think we've seen over the last couple of years that Everton have really been focusing on the African market, which is interesting. I personally can't say I know too much about the the benefits in terms of how much money there is to be made uh, in Africa in general. But uh, 
I, yeah, think I don't that know how much that has clearly... to do with Sport Pesa and the sponsorship and the, you know, are they trying to, you know, bridge that gap and do things there because they have a sponsorship with Sport Pesa, which I think is based in Kenya. Um, yeah, I don't know all the ins and outs, but it seems a little bit like, oh, we have this sponsorship. We've agreed to do certain games and other things. And that's why you get that African focus. Well, I surely hope it's a little more planned than that, but you could be right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the sport pays a sponsorship in general, but it does give you kind of those inroads into those new markets. And Africa is also, you know, America's an established market from a overall big picture perspective, whereas Africa is much more of an emerging market in every sense where it's very uh, intensely being developed. And, and you'd have to think that along with that comes the globalization aspect and they're looking for, I mean, the Premier League, again, a global brand, and maybe there probably aren't as many Maybe aren't not as many uh, Manchester United fans in Africa as uh, in America, and so the hope is that you can convert by having those partnerships. And people know Sport Pesa in Kenya, for example. So they yeah, may be more. I still miss the, the cheering elephants. I mean, I'm sorry, that's oh, just so I, iconic. You totally. know what I mean? <laughs> it's a beautiful logo. It's. Yeah. I mean, the Sport Pesa is just plain. It's a betting company, which I don't love, and there's nothing that will ever replace the Chang elephants right. in my heart. I hear you. So speaking of kind of friendly matches, uh, the sponsorships. We understand, according to the Everton website, that we are going to see, we are finally going to see the 2019-2020 kits this coming week, and then they'll be officially worn in the first friendly on July 7th the following week. Yeah, big news. It's about dang time that they released the kits. I mean, we've been waiting. I think the probably the overall plan was just to wait until Andre Gomez had signed because if he's not part like front and center of the kit release photos, someone really, really messed up in a big way. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. You need that beautiful face with your new beautiful jerseys. I mean, it's just it just goes hand in hand. So they had to wait. So speaking of we've got or we finally got confirmation on that preseason friendly tournament the final weekend in July. And that tournament is going to be just a three-team mini tournament over the weekend, I think two days. And it is Everton, Sevilla, and Mainz from Germany. And I'm really, really excited about it because in terms of the opposition strength in general this summer, you know, just based on name, right? You know, regardless of, of, performance last season compared to season before, blah, blah. We're playing Monaco. We're playing Werder Bremen. We're playing Sevilla. We're playing Mines. And so not only do we have a fantastic group of teams in terms of, of strength of opponent, but we also have a very solid variety in terms of play style, you know, based on the leagues that they play in. And I think that's going to be very good for us just in terms of preparation for the season coming ahead, because as we know, a lot of the teams we play in, in in the Premier League bunker down, right? Probably close to the bottom half. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how some of the foreign teams play. But furthermore, it'll prepare us for our many seasons in European competition to follow. I like your positivity there. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. And you have a couple of teams where we've sold players or bought players from with Sevilla. I think isn't that where uh, Sandro came from? And Werder Bremen is where we shipped uh, Davy Klassen off to, who's actually done pretty well there. So it should be should be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good preseason slate. Hoping that we can have a few more signings in the door by the time this the preseason really gets underway. 
because if you leave your business late, then it just makes everything more complicated. And I think I'd feel much more comfortable having a settled squad who's able to work through these games together. We have an idea of what types of formations, what are, I mean, we have a fairly good idea of what our starting lineup will look like, but there's still some open spots up for grabs. And it's important to also establish some kind of level of competition within the squad so the players are competing for spots throughout the whole uh, whole of July and August and then really kind of ramp things up going into the year. And ideally with a healthy Gomez this time around, right? Yeah, healthy and Absolutely. got a full preseason. So let's transition and wrap things up tonight talking about a couple of the rumors flying around. One, which I just saw on Reddit and I thought it was kind of funny. Kurt Zuma has liked every Everton Instagram post about Gomez signing. <laughs> what does that mean? All in. He's coming. He'll sign tomorrow. Announcement tomorrow. It's funny how like the social media just takes on a life of its own and you're just having players read it. And it goes for not just soccer, but for like American sports too. When you've got Kevin Durant liking certain posts like 10 minutes after he, whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's just funny how much people read into it. I mean, he's played with Andre Gomez for a year. He's obviously happy to see him happy. To read more into it, I think is probably wishful thinking. And I think we have a right to be optimistic about Kurt Zuma signing, but I don't think that him liking a post on Instagram is any indication of his intent to sign for us or not. It's like we forget that what do we do when we scroll through our social media? Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. It's like we think that they that just because they're superstar soccer players that they don't do that, that they think about every like, before, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're doing the same thing we are. They're scrolling through. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, they're people too. So I, I think that we read way too much into those things. To be fair, there was a Telegraph article saying that we have opened negotiations with Chelsea over Kurt Zuma. It's, it's also interesting because Chelsea... Or, or Derby County announced that they have given Frank Lampard permission to speak with Chelsea about the vacant manager position. And as we know, new managers bring uncertainty based on, on players and where they'll fit into the squad. So I don't imagine, I, I feel like the chance is he won't be let go, but players a lot of times have more power than I think we give them credit for in terms of where they stay or where they go or, you know, et cetera. Yeah, and I've seen rumors floating around um, that Chelsea won't force him to stay if he tries to tries to make a move out. There's, of course, the always reliable rumor that he has, quote unquote, told friends that he'd like to return to Everton. I don't really know what that's supposed to mean, but we did have similar reports from Andre Gomez. Like I said, I, I do think we have a really good chance of signing him. If you look at the situation at Chelsea, still no sign of signing a manager. The Lampard things are ongoing. It doesn't exactly inspire confidence if you're a player. And if you look at Kurt Zuma's situation, he came here, he was a starter for almost the entire season. And is he a walk-in guaranteed starter at Chelsea? Probably not with the players that they have at their disposal, David Luiz, Christensen. He's got his work cut out for him if he decides to go back. And so I think just at face value for his career, Everton seems to be the right move. And I think that works in our favor a lot more than uh, a couple double taps on Instagram. I think you have to also factor in Chelsea's transfer ban. I mean, it, it's it's like in pause at the moment, so things can be done. But you, you don't, you never know with Lampard. He may say, you know what, I want him here because he did so well at Everton. That's the other thing. He did so well here that I want him as a backup or even you know to push for a starting role. And if he hears those types of things, you never know. I think it could go either way. I think he may want to come to Everton because he had such a great season. Um, but I think Chelsea may say, you know what, this transfer ban is coming up. He's a He's a proven player now at Everton. 
um, having done so well. And now we're going to we're going to need him back in the fold. I think I think this one could really go either way. And I do think that Chelsea have kind of all the leverage too. So if we're going to pay, if we're going to buy Kurzuma, we're going to be paying top dollar. I don't think it's a situation where Barcelona were kind of, Marcel kind of had an, a more favorable position in negotiations. Whereas with Chelsea's transfer ban, they don't have to sell him. Um, Premier League transfer also is always a, adds a little more to the fee. So I would expect us to pay upwards of $30 million if we try to keep Kurzuma easily. Yeah, I think everybody would be okay with that. For what he's done and the way he's solidified that back line with Keane, yeah, it's been, I think everybody, 30, 35 million would be, it would, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. It would be all right. I'd have to agree there. And he just, he was fantastic. That is like best case scenario in terms of signing a center back. Although knowing brands, he can probably prove me wrong. Now, ideally it's not, but possibly another somewhat less than possible transfer rumor, Moise Keane, I think that's how you pronounce his first name, Moise Keane, who's the Italian striker at Juventus, pretty young. I think he's about 19 years old, same day, same age as Tom Davies, has been linked, and apparently Juventus are open to selling. Yeah, this is a really strange one. Like They were talking about how he was about to sign a new contract, and Juventus was really happy with him. And, you know, I don't know how much I thought, oh, it's just agent news that they're that he wants a new contract. So that he's putting it out because everybody puts every player at Everton or Everton's interested in every single player because people want to they know we have money now. So it's an easy link to get a new contract for their for agents to get a new contract. So let's link them with Everton. But this one then seemed to kind of die down. And now it has legs again in the sense like these uh, he had some trouble and he's a bit of a troubled kid and they don't like what he did on the under 21 team. And so now they kind of don't, they want it. They're willing to talk about it. So I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it, I can't tell whether it's media speculation and agents doing it all, or if there's legitimately some concerns about his attitude and other things. And so then if, if that's the case, do you really want to sign a 19 year old problem kid to, even though he's, you know, do you have enough in your locker room to, to deal with that? Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. We'll see if it has legs or not. I mean, if anything, it's a striker link, right? And we've kind of been starved for striker links being the, the most obvious position that everyone's been clamoring for, for years now going on years, which is crazy to say, it seems like if we can get them for the right price, it would be a good deal. But of course, then you have all the, the outside factors, like you mentioned, Tim, how much of it is just agent speculation, how much of it is just flat out BS, like so many transfer rumors are. It does seem like a Marcel Brands type of signing in a way, but at the same time, if it really were, it seems like it'd be much more under the radar. So for me, I'm not very confident that this will happen. I expect that Juventus will probably keep him because being so young, his value is really only going to go up. I don't think that there's a situation where he his value goes down unless you're looking at like a Mario Balotelli situation. But of course, he had several very big transfer moves before uh, he ended up where he's at now. So for me, I would love to see it just because it's a striker link and he's young and has, again, a lot of room to develop and I think has a huge potential to make a profit for us. But I really strongly question the credibility of the people who are linking us with him. That's a fair assessment. And to be honest, I personally haven't watched too much of him. I know a lot of people rate him very highly and think that he could be world class at some point. That's a very big could. So I suppose we'll find out. I, I think that if we're going to sign a striker, we need to sign someone pretty proven and make Dominic Calvert-Lewin really fight for it, fight for minutes moving forward. Now, the last link we have is David Neres from Ajax. A lot of the reports are saying that it could happen 
after the Copa America is finished. He's been playing with Brazil along with Richarlison. Apparently him and Richarlison are pretty tight. And then to put gas on top of the flames, essentially, Ajax then signed Quincy Promise, uh, a very, very solid winger over the last week, which kind of puts into question maybe Neres' future at Ajax. Yeah, this was really interesting to me. Like, Promise is a massive upgrade on Neres in a sense. I mean, he's tw- Promise is 27 in his prime. Neres is, what, 21, 22, and, you know, a burgeoning talent. So it looks like Ajax has, okay, we've moved on um, in a sense. Um, but at the same time, like, do we need another winger? Is Neres just going to come in and sit behind Bernard and Richarlison? Uh, or is he going to convert to a strike? I find this one a little strange, other than the links between Richarlison and himself and Richarlison, you know, supposedly telling him, hey, come to Everton and all these other it, it, it seems just kind of like an easy one to to link because of all that. And whereas I don't know if there's actually any interest in, I don't know if we need another winger. He's not young enough to be put in and talented, uh, to brought, brought along in a sense to make even more talented. He's kind of at a level where he needs to start um, that 21, 22 range. And I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just depth. I mean, you look at Manchester City and some of those other teams, and they just—you you can't believe the players that come off the bench. So maybe we're going to, maybe we need to be like that. But still, it just seems like a very interesting link. Yeah, I'm, I'm all on board. I'm all in on the David Neres rumors personally. There's Tim. The, the concerns that you raised are perfectly valid. But for me, it seems like of all the of all the links that we've been, all the players we've been linked with, this seems like kind of. It checks all the boxes for me. Comes from the Dutch league. Marcel Brand's obviously very familiar with Ajax, their inner workings. Plays for Brazil. Another check. We have a thing for Brazilians now. Love it. Love the South American connection. He's young. We're going to have to pay a hefty fee for him. But people scoffed at the Richarlison fee and look at that. I mean, we, we stand to double or triple the money that we invested in Richarlison. And he said, he, he's on the record, he wants to play in England. And what better place for an emerging young Brazilian talent than at Everton, where he's really going to push for that starting spot. I understand, you know, the rotation, Richarlison, Bernard, but he plays a true right winger, which Theo Walcott, God bless him. But if he's starting on opening day, I'm going to probably pull my hair out of my head. We really need a true right winger because it seems like everyone that we have, Bernard and Richarlison, both function better on the left. And it just seems like another type of player where we could get him now. And in two to three to four years, if we're not able to keep him, we sell him for a big profit. I mean, Brazilian players don't, I mean, they're they're special. And he's getting time with the Brazilian national team. Hopefully, Richarlison's talking his ear off and we get the deal done for like 40. Um, but I, I don't really, for me, it, there's rumors that Ajax have now raised the asking price to 70, which seems ludicrous to me when you're looking at Irving Lozano going for like in the 50 million. And I think... Nera's only scored like eight goals for Ajax. So really promising player. And I think he does, he fits the brand's profile perfectly. And with all the connections that we have, it just seems like a perfect deal. And then you look at the options that he has, it just seems like this is the type of player where Marcel Brands and Marco Silva could really sell a player like him on the Everton project. Uh, So what you're saying there, James, is that Everton is becoming a hotbed to produce young Brazilian talent in the in, in the Premier League. I like where you're going with that. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's crazy to say, but I mean, you look at face value. I mean, Richarlison is the only example because I guess Bernard's a little older, but that could very well be the case. And then if we get two players, well, you know, 
we got a crowd going on and then it sort of uh, sort of escalates from there. And then we're signing all of their their youth players to our youth team and we're just taking over all of Europe. But enough of the uh, the Brazilian talk, because we actually have a, a bit of a Tim's in a bit of a unique situation. When we asked him to come on the show, we kind of thought that he was based in Oregon, which was the case for a long time. But apparently he is now living in Australia. Yes, you get Tim, your first international guest. What do you know? Yeah, it feels pretty good. And it's actually, so we're recording it and it's now 8 p.m. It's 8, 8 a.m. in Australia. Tim was gracious enough to wake up early and uh, and join us on the show. Tim, what's your impressions of the Premier League in, in Australia, Evertonians that you met in Australia? What has that been like since compared to like the American perspective on things? Yeah, um, I, I think I touched on it before, but living in Portland, we would get up early. We had a great group of people who would always kind of come. I even hosted some at my house when when our guy who Chris, who um, ended up opening the bar was sick for a few weeks and we did some you know we just had this a little bit of camaraderie in a sense because everton is everton and and you you meet evertonians and it's just kind of an instant connection um i wouldn't say it's the same here i would say that evertonians enjoy talking about everton and and but i think you get a lot more of the the british expats who are here and they tend to like their they tend to like their um either at home where they can um, not worry about the result and uh, commiserate and throw their beer at the TV and whatnot. Um, we have a few meetups a couple of times a year. We have some really keen guys who want to meet up all the time. It's not the same feel, I would say, here. Um, and plus the city of Perth is kind of stretched out, so there, there's no central meeting place like there was in Portland. But overall, I mean, once once you meet an Evertonian, you know, it's we're born, not manufactured. So. Um, you tend to you tend to have plenty to talk about, but it's just kind of a different feel here as opposed to what I was used to in in Portland. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, Everton is um, a worldwide club. I mean, they had a big um, they built a big new stadium here. So you know, hopefully, I mean, they've had uh, Liverpool come and play not here, but they've had Liverpool come and play. They've had this summer we're having Manchester United and Leeds play. So there may even be opportunities for Everton to, you know, say, hey, let's go. Let's go tap that untapped Australian market. We'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, I get those uh, those Tim Tim Cahill stragglers from a decade ago. That are exactly. Still, still on the fence about which Premier League team to support. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Big thanks to Tim for coming on. Really appreciate you uh, waking up so early to, to join the show with us. I had my coffee. It was great. Um, I really appreciate it. And I really enjoy your show, guys. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks, thanks Tim. I really appreciate that. As always, you can catch us next time. Um, we might be putting out a show on the weekend. And if not, you can catch us uh, next week. We'll be putting out our weekly show. Till next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time. 